Welcome to the Uplink Podcast, where today we'll dive into the intricate world of aviation safety. After all, the question on many people's mind right now is, how safe is aviation today? This broad query touches upon the entire spectrum of aviation, from commercial and business aviation to general aviation, each dealing with its unique set of challenges and advancement in safety protocols. We're so privileged to have Dr. James E. Sultan III join us as we try to unpack this. Dr. Sultan, an adjunct professor at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University Worldwide, boasts an impressive resume with a Bachelor of Science in Aerospace Studies and a Master of Science in Aeronautics, and a Doctorate in Educational Leadership, Administration, and Policy from Pepperdine University. Additionally, Dr. Sultan is a training manager at the Chicago Air Route Traffic Control Center, the ARTCC. Please note, his opinions today are entirely his own. Welcome to Uplink. The aviation dialogue starts here. I'm Shasta Ways. And I'm Michael Wiles. Thank you for joining us. Our discussion today is framed by recent data and events that have stirred the aviation community and the public at large. The International Air Transport Association, IATA, released its 2022 safety report revealing a reduction in fatal accidents and an improvement in the fatal accident rate, offering a glimmer of hope and a testament to the industry's ongoing effort to enhance safety. Yet, the persistence of challenges, especially in turboprop operations in regions like Africa and Latin America, underscores the complexity of achieving universal safety standards. Adding to our discussion, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, AYOPA, has released its annual safety report, now named the Richard G. Maxpaden Report, providing insights into general aviation safety. The report indicates a slight increase in total accidents from 2020 to 2021, but offers a nuanced view of safety trends, including a decrease in accidents during landing phases and a rise in non-commercial helicopter accident rates. This data highlight the importance of targeted safety improvements and continuous vigilance in all aviation sectors. Meanwhile, a focal point for business aviation this year has been the introduction and implementation of safety management systems. Recent incidents, however, such as a Boeing door falling off mid-flight and other notable events have prompted widespread concern and speculations about the current state of aviation safety. These incidents serve as a reminder of the importance of quality control, rigorous safety standards, and the need for constant re-evaluation of safety measures. Today, Dr. Sultan will talk about these issues. We'll dive into the persistent challenges facing aviation safety, the opportunities for innovation, and the indispensable role of young professionals in the field. Our goal is to unravel the complexities of aviation safety, celebrate the progress made, and identify areas requiring further attention and innovation. So, whether you're deeply embedded in the aviation industry or a passionate enthusiast, 
or someone simply curious about the safety of your next flight, this episode promises to offer valuable insights and perspectives. So Dr. Sultan, can you share with us your journey into the aviation industry and what has fueled your passion for aviation safety and education over the years? Absolutely. And and Michael, thank you so much for the question. Aviation is something that is really in my DNA. Um, I moved all over the country as a young boy and was just very fortunate to have that be a constant in my life. I started off um, as someone who lived in Wisconsin um, as a very young boy, and my grandfather took me to the Oshkosh Air Show when I was just about eight years old. And when I went up there, I had a chance to just see what aviation is, you know, not just read about it in a book or see it on a TV show, but I really saw grassroots aviation, the pilots that built their own airplanes or the mechanics that were fixing them or the air traffic controllers that were keeping them safe coming in. I mean, it was just all on display for me. And so after I came back, from that visit with my grandfather, I was hooked. I started building model aircraft and messing them up and then building remote control aircraft and crashing them. And then um, I was very, very fortunate um, that my mom uh, was actually the first black woman to get a pilot's license in the state of Georgia. And so she isn't a pilot, but she you know, had that passion. And so she was able to fuel mine and get me hooked up with different programs. We moved from Wisconsin to Denver and the Tuskegee Airmen had a program in Denver that got me access to um, the Class D flight simulators that United was using to um, train their pilots. And from there, I was just hooked. I went to Embry-Riddle. And then um, from at Embry-Riddle, I worked with kids um, in a summer program. So the Embry-Riddle Summer Academy um, was a job that I had while I was in college. Um, shout out Pam Pierre, who is still there um, today, and she um, supported me um, as an undergraduate student and then, you know, has been a great friend ever since, worked with the Upward Bound program and found that my passion um, was beyond aviation, but was really kind of embedded in, in aviation education. And so um, I was very fortunate to have an opportunity to go on from there to lead in aviation uh, high school and then became an air traffic controller. Um, so that's kind of what, um, you know, what my, my journey was, um, you know, and it, in working in, in various capacities is that I learned the importance of um, being in an environment where the focus is on safety. Um, it's important not only to say those words, but to embody the spirit of someone who puts safety at the forefront of all that they do. It's about following checklists. It's about making sure that you go the extra mile to double check to make sure that those standards are being adhered to and then certainly avoid cutting corners. Um, As a professor at Embry-Riddle, we teach that in the classroom, not only um, from a a leadership standpoint, but understanding that those are central tenets of leadership, but also making sure that the students um, that we teach understand the importance of doing the right thing for the right reason, and, and then, of course, tying that back into safety. Wow, that's uh, really impressive. And one thing really stood out to me as you were describing your journey, and it's just how it's not accidental how you ended up where you are today uh, because of the exposure, intentional exposure that the people around you provided. You know, so you talked about your grandfather taking you to Oshkosh and then your mom being a pilot and flying in Georgia and then going to Denver and doing the same thing. And one thing that we've been 
really talking about at Dream Sort is just how we need to be more intentional as an industry in exposing young people to the industry all around. And I like that in a sense that you didn't become a pilot. You didn't think that you have to become a pilot. You actually paid attention to what your passions were and blended them with aviation. And I think uh, that's like a big uh, point to, to pay attention to. That's really uh, impressive. I appreciate that. And I mean, maybe even to uh, you know remark about the importance of doing more than just exposure, right? So I think there's a lot of opportunities for students to get engaged um, at least on a one-off event. Oshkosh is that, right? I think there's um, some great folks in the Experimental Aircraft Association that are doing what they can to um, enhance and encourage aviation education beyond that. And they're doing a phenomenal job through the Young Eagles programs, through the curriculum that they're developing through their summer camp programs, and the list goes on. Um, we need more of that. We need more of opportunities for kids to get that exposure, get that hook, and then find ways where you can support and sustain them through the process of finding a career in the industry. You're spot on. That's something that we've been keenly working on, and hopefully soon you'll see what that looks like tangible for us at DreamSoar. I can't wait. Yeah. So um, the NTSB, they have been um, prolific in publishing what is known as their most wanted list. Um, for the last 30 years, but they actually just retired it at the end of last year. But it was a great tool for um, bringing awareness to the most pressing issues in safety uh, and uh, particularly aviation safety. So with that list going away, what new methods do you think might be employed to highlight and address safety improvements? No, we need more of things that are actually working. When you look at um, these grassroots organizations that are out there, and it goes beyond your your typical experimental aircraft associations or your AOPAs, your aircraft owners and pilots association. You know, all these groups um, have done a great job of promoting safety. And I think the more energy, the more emphasis that we can put on um, organizations that are meeting people where they are, it, the better. So. If you're a, um, someone who is you know, a recreational pilot, you're a part of these organizations, those organizations should be equipped with the tools that they need to impart that knowledge on those pilots so that they understand not only the importance of safety, but how to practice it. What are some of the things that they can do to make sure that they are living and breathing those examples of safety. I remember when I was working as a journalist, I uh, interviewed uh, this business owner who's also a pilot that runs a crop dusting business. And the crop dusting business has been known to have sort of like a spotty uh, safety record. And when I asked her about, about it, you know, you know, how is safety being addressed in that industry is exactly as you said, it was the trade group within that space, that was the one who was responsible for, because as you're saying, they're closer to the issues that are affecting, the safety issues that are affecting that, you know, subsector of the industry. You know, the the important thing when you're dealing with, with safety or in any of these special emphasis groups is that bringing these groups together, making sure that we're all singing off the same sheet of music will help us bring the industry closer to where we need to be to ensure that that safety message is consistent for the folks that are part of those organizations. So as someone deeply involved in both education and safety, 
um, what do you think are the biggest priorities in aviation safety this year? And I think you just touched on it um, because I know in the business aviation sector, they're trying to implement their safety management system to sort of align with how the airlines already have something in place. So from your perspective, what are the biggest priorities for safety this year? Number one um, priority for safety is, is consistency. So doing the right things every time and making sure that we can get uh, the people that are at that level, at that service delivery point, where whether it be that they're providing you know, flight services or maintenance service or what have you, that all those um, people have the same lens that they're looking at safety through. So that's, that's number one. We don't want someone to have a different perception of what safety is because that inconsistency can certainly lead to errors down the road. Uh, in addition to providing that level of consistency, we have to make sure that we're equipping the industry and those professionals with the tools that they need in order to be successful in their safety journey. Um, that starts off with really a three-tiered approach by providing them um, with the information uh, that they need. So just kind of like making sure that they understand what safety is and what it looks like in practice. Secondly, we have to make sure that they are successful in implementing that and supporting them to make sure that they have what they need and that it's working. And the third piece is making sure that we're closing that feedback loop. So what we've provided, what we've supported, and then making those adjustments based on the feedback that we're receiving from those safety professionals will allow us to really get closer to the goal of enhancing safety across the industry. I'm curious, who will own this process? Is it each stakeholder has to be responsible for their um, um, link in the chain? Or is there, I guess I guess it's the NTSB or the safety segment of the FAA, right? I think you're hitting on you know some really important uh, stakeholders and it really is a shared responsibility. What you're describing and, and what I would you know certainly subscribe to as well is a an opportunity for a very successful public-private partnership. So it's about getting those governmental agencies involved with some of those key stakeholders that are in the industry and allowing um, those organizations to come together to come out with a consistent message so that we're all rowing in the same degree direction. What do you think are the most persistent challenges in aviation safety that seem to recur year after year? And why do you think they're so tough to address? Communication is always the hardest thing um, to figure out because it's important to meet people where they are so that they can get the information um, when they need it and the way that they like it and the way that, you know, really resonates with them. And the uh, unfortunate reality is that there's just so many different groups that are out there that it's hard to communicate um, with everyone in a way that's going to be um, successful. So that's the first thing that we have to challenge. Uh, the first challenge that we have to tackle, I should say, is to figure out how to be um, communicated. Once we've got that figured out, then we have to start looking at our second challenge, which is to make sure that people are resourced with the tools that they need to implement the things that we're communicating. And then the last thing is making sure that we have the um, we're doing the right things at the right time for the right reasons. And when you take all three of those things and, and combine them together, I think what you'll find is that you're able to um, overcome some of the most significant obstacles to implementing a change. Uh, and certainly when we're talking about safety, 
we've got to be mindful of all three of those as we go forward. Can you think of some of the biggest opportunities for innovation in aviation safety today? Is there anything tangible that you would like to see implemented? No, I think the opportunities land squarely with the um, people that are in leadership roles. Um, So for them to come back or come together rather to go and really carry out some of the things that we've talked about, it's that they have to um, own that process and, and make it their own and then tailor it um, to the needs of the audiences that they're serving. We know young people tend to be big drivers of change um, in industries if you look throughout history. Where do you see critical need for young professionals in the aviation safety field that might not be obvious today? You know, that's a tough question, Michael. I think that, you know, it's um, important for our young people to get involved in every aspect um, of the aviation industry just because we need help everywhere from pilots to air traffic controllers to maintenance professionals to attorneys to doctors to you know all the people that really make aviation what it is today we need more people now when you take those people those young people those bright minds as you remarked and, and put them into the industry we've got to make sure that they have a consistent mindset going into whatever profession that they're going into because if it, it always boils down to safety in aviation. So I wouldn't say that we focus just on one um, aspect of the industry. I would say that we focused on all the aspects of the industry, but make sure that there's one thing that they all have in common as they're getting involved, which is to maintain and adhere to some safety practices that we have in the industry. Okay, I get that nuance. It's like um, Jim's uh, it's like Jim Collins talk about in his book about first getting people on the bus. So getting people in the industry and then getting them in their right seats. So as you're saying, yes. as long as they're on the bus, then we can kind of figure out the right seats, play to their strengths, but like keep them on the bus, as you're saying, because that's a consistent message to move the industry forward. And um, I think that follows your trajectory, as you're saying, you know, your family, it didn't sound like they forced you to think about becoming a pilot. They were like, hey, James, what are the things that you care about? And they nurtured those things. And so you ended up in the educational space where you could help shape minds and even then to sort of pursue your path um, as a controller. So that's interesting. Um, Another interesting perspective that we really need to like protect that we shouldn't just try to say, here's the hottest uh, topic right now. Let's get people in that space. It's just let's nurture people where they are at in their skill set and then We'll figure out, you know, where they fit in the industry. Yeah, I mean, that you hit it, the nail right on the head. You know, we need we need that bus full um, yeah. so that we can have the resources that we need to make sure that aviation uh, has the human resources in place, and then we got to be able to drive that bus towards safety. So a lot of the focus for aviation safety tends to center around commercial aviation. But as I mentioned earlier, business aviation as a key player, you know, they're also a part of the whole equation. Can you explain the nuances between safety and business aviation and commercial aviation today? And um, how do you how do the safety needs and strategies differ between these, these two sectors, if any at all? You know, I would say there's a lot of overlap, Michael. I know that there's some differences in the the missions uh, of those two industries, if you will. Um, But when it comes to safety, I think that's something where the most overlap exists. Um, You know, we still have maintenance technicians that work on aircraft on both sides of the aisle when it comes to commercial and and business aviation. We still have pilots that have to have 
the right mindset. We still have the same system that we're using. So that um, consistency, that bar, to me, um, isn't much different when you go from commercial to business aviation, because what we're really talking about is mindset and being able to practice what you preach in both of those. Yeah, I think I hear a consistent theme through all your responses today about mindset and everyone having the same mindset, like a shared philosophy in the industry. So because business aviation is just aviation um, at the end of the day. Uh, you're still going to airports, so it does make sense. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're flying a Cessna 172 or 777. You've got to be able to say when you get in that cockpit that you are somebody who wants to make sure you have the safest possible experience. So for those of our listeners who are fascinated by aviation and might consider a career in this field, what advice would you give them, especially in terms of contributing to aviation safety? The best advice that I can give uh, anybody that's getting into the field of aviation uh, when it comes to safety is to understand the processes and procedures that are in place and make those processes and procedures your own, but always look for ways where you can improve those processes uh, for safety. It always comes back to training, um, education, and knowledge about how to do your job. And so as you look at um, the things that you're doing, understand the why behind it, but also have the courage and the confidence to look at ways where you can improve those processes for those that are coming behind you. Well, Dr. Sultan, thank you so much for joining us today on Uplink. I think your work in the field has helped move it forward and your advocacy, your role in education is helping to uh, help young people discover the field. And thank you for the work you're doing. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for the work that you're doing as well. It's really important to get information like this out to the, the field. So thank you. so much for joining us this week. Before we move on, we've got just a couple of important housekeeping notes for all of our listeners out there. The first is join Uplink Link Up community. Here's one benefit of joining. If you're looking to dive deeper into the world of aviation and join the conversation, we'd love for you to be a part of our Uplink Link Up community. It's a great space where enthusiasts like you can discuss, debate, and share insights about everything aviation. Joining is super easy. Just head over to our website or check out the show notes for the link in our Uplink LinkUp WhatsApp group. We have a general group for aviation discussions, and we have a special Uplink LinkUp DC Metro group for our listeners in the DC area. Being part of Uplink LinkUp means you get to interact directly with us and other aviation enthusiasts. It's a fantastic way to get your questions answered, share your opinions, and even influence future podcast topics. So don't miss out on being part of the Uplink LinkUp community. Join today and take your love for aviation to new heights. We can't wait to interact with you all. Again, thank you for joining us, and we can't wait to see you next week.